94.7 Kumu Kokua, because Kumu cares. This morning for his weekly COVID-19 update, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green is back on our show Woo! to talk about the reopening of Trans-Pacific Tourism. Lots to talk about. Uh, good morning, Lieutenant Governor. Good morning. Yes, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's uh, wow. What a time. Uh, after about seven months, I think we've been uh, in a situation where basically previously we were saying, don't come. <laughs> don't come. <laughs> right. Unless you want to do the 14 day quarantine. Trans-Pacific tourism being open. How do you feel it went? Like what went right? What went wrong? And I know you were at the airport for a long time. Yeah, well, I, I was there for a long time, but the airport team and the health department team and uh, the Roberts Hawaii guys who helped with Ford at the airport, they were there much longer than me. They were wonderful. They did an incredible job. So hats off to them. We ended up processing, and here you go, by the end of the day, when all the data came in from all the neighbor islands as well, mm-hmm. 10,102 people. 10,000? 10, wow. And the, and the incredible part is 8,496 uh, were able to get fully exempted based on their testing and their process. So we sent, uh, of the whole group, we sent 1,606 people into quarantine still. Some were still waiting for their tests, and they'll get out of quarantine once we get their test result. And others had chosen not to not to test, so that was a, their prerogative. Few people got confused about the test, which is very normal. But overall, I was extremely pleased because, number one, we didn't have any nuclear meltdowns at the airport, which was good. No. And two, uh, people understood. You know, if you look at the pictures, everyone was wearing a mask, everybody. And that is the right uh, – that's the right – expectation to have we, we basically want to test everybody and have everybody wearing a mask and if we do that we're going to be completely fine now there could be some extra cases because now we've got we're going to start having yesterday's number was much bigger than it's going to be normally the numbers will tend to be uh, in the next few weeks smaller but we're now going to have about 50 or 60,000 people probably in our state that are tourists and that's a small number compared to what we normally have which is a quarter of a million Mm-hmm. We will be able to handle it, but as we open up our hotels and restaurants more and so on, everyone just has to wear a mask or we will definitely have spread. And we don't want spread. Earlier, we were reporting that about 8,000 travelers had arrived yesterday, and the updated number now is 10,100. Why the difference? Because uh, we were busy, for one thing, <laughs> all day long. Mm-hmm. And two, uh, we get, you know, you get bookings and you get numbers like that, and then Last minute, some people travel. They saw an opportunity. They came. You'd be amazed. There are people that actually book same-day trips when they see an unbelievable deal. Some people with the airlines will deadhead onto a plane. You have other uh, military personnel that might get assigned. And then there's the neighbor islands where the numbers have to be calculated. Mm -hmm. So we ultimately were able to process that many people in our travel dashboard. So uh, that's that's my best guess, that this number is all accurate it's certainly as close to the ballpark as i can get you on the fly and it was just it was really it was kind of an extraordinary uh process so you you know you have lots of travelers mixing and mingling and there's inner island travel too it's just it's just something to see an operation like that on its first day Mm -hmm. so i'm I'm happy about that it's it's going to be less overall in the coming days i do believe uh because there was there were some interesting stories that that came out. For instance, you had people. I had one couple tell me they were coming in to see their grandkid for the first time, and Aww. they had been dying to come and had rescheduled their trip several times because believe me, you can't keep 
much space between new grandparents and their grandchild. <laughs> it's pretty tough. So, yeah. But they didn't feel comfortable traveling before they could have a standard and a clear a test. And they wanted people on the airplane to also be tested. They were happy about that because they felt it was unlikely that they would catch COVID in the in route. So there were stories like that. There was a young man. I told the story. Um, I met him. He sailed right through. He had just finished his, um, his Mormon mission not too long before the lockdown occurred, and he was unable to come and see his mom and celebrate that because they wanted to be very careful. I think maybe she had some challenges with health care, and he wanted to be extra careful. So all kinds of re- stories reuniting people. Then there's just plain travelers that we had to be mindful of, and just overall an amazing um, just amazing experience. And I hope and expect that we will continue uh, the safe process that we saw. It, it can't um, it can't be said often enough that people are still going to have to wear masks and socially distance and wash their hands until we at least until we get a vaccination. But that's what they were doing, mm-hmm. and I was pretty proud of everybody. That's awesome. Very cool. Uh, looking at our Facebook page, uh, Heidi Pascal Cruel uh, wrote, "How will we monitor the people that? Uh, how will we make sure that people are complying with the 14-day quarantine if they don't want to take that pre-travel test?" She said there are about 800 travelers That's approximately right. who didn't take that pre-travel. Well, let's look at it as a glass full situation, okay? First of all, because going backwards, everyone was being asked to quarantine, and no one had 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 a test confirming that they were negative. Nobody. So now we've really, we've improved our system greatly by getting to an 85% clip, basically, of people having gotten tests and then not even needing quarantine, right? Now, the remaining people, yes, it's a challenge, but we also now have a digital platform. So at any time, if a restaurant or a hotel or a law enforcement officer wants to ask somebody, did you go through the process, if they're a visitor, uh, actually, anybody because if you are a recent arrival they could also ask the question you can just show them your clearance it's a you know it's a you get like a a smiley face on your on your phone Mm -hmm. and so there's that now we are not a police state and that's something that people have to remember and they even should also remember that the prevalence rate is quite low for the most part there are some places where it's higher but if you're just talking about someone driving across your border or flying across your border with no extra precautions, the rate's going to tend to be about one out of 200 people would be a asymptomatic carrier of the virus. They're sick. You can be sure they stayed home. If they tested positive in the mainland, they had to stay home. They tested positive on our pretest, they couldn't um, come in. But all those things, setting those aside, it's less risk. And the travelers, yes, they're going to have to be honorable. It won't be perfect or 100%, but when you're looking at the relative risk, and let's say it was 800 people, that means possibly at that rate, that baseline rate in the mainland, you would have four people that came into Hawaii that were asymptomatic carriers. And if we can't handle four people across our state, then you can forget survival. So that's why the way I would mention it. I definitely want us to uh, enforce these rules because everyone else followed them and they, you know, they put out, they, they paid their resource to get tested and tested and uh, we're even doing some second tests. I want to mention that, by the way, but um, we'll come to that, I'm sure, in a little while, the Mm -hmm. second testing. But um, I think we have to be trusting and we have to do our very best at the airports and ultimately it'll be cruise ships, too, and whatever once that starts to make sure that people, for the most part, are negative. And beyond that, bus people, they don't wear masks. 
because masks are much more valuable than tests, ultimately. Sir, just so that I can clarify what you're saying, over time, over days, we're going to have thousands of people who are basically on honor system to do quarantine, 14 days of quarantine. And how are they going to be kept track of and made, made sure we make sure that they are actually doing 14 days of quarantine? Well, we'll do our best, but I, it's the wrong thing to focus on. I don't care whether a lot of people are writing about it. I'm telling you what the actual reality is, mm-hmm. which is that if, let's say, we reach, um, let's say we reach 15,000 people over the course of time that are on quarantine and we're doing our best to police them, divide 15,000 by, by 250. I'll do that for you right now. And that tells you, at worst, you've got 60 people that are asymptomatic on vacation with their people on, uh, in the state of Hawaii. That is not a threat to our health or, or our spread risk. The threat to us is the, eight, the spread between our own people. Like yesterday, yesterday alone, we had 91 cases. In the last 14 days, so in 14 days, you'll get 60 by this model, and that's, it's about right, 60 mm-hmm. people that would come in that would be carriers of COVID. Right now, we have 1,249 individuals in Hawaii that are active COVID versus the 60 that would travel. And that is the important comparison. Now, having the capacity to actually give people jobs and so on, that's where the spread could be. So now that we'll have thousands of people back working at the hotels and going back to school and so on, that's where you would see spread if we don't do a good job. It would be not managing our active cases well here in Hawaii. So I hope people will focus on the right thing. The problem is, of course, it's it's easier to focus on a target that, Um, we separate away from ourselves. And unfortunately, as much as I do want to always have people adhere to quarantine and adhere to the rules, this, this focus on the other ends up being not the right scientific place to look. And then it spends all of our energy, instead of focusing on masks and socially distancing, which is really what matters to stop COVID, we end up trying to set up an us versus them dynamic. And unfortunately, that really won't help in the end. It is very good to have people follow the rules they must follow the rules. We'll have second tests in some cases to help them follow the rules. But from a numbers game, it's really not that big a deal. Mm, gotcha. Okay. We wanted to ask you about the surveillance system that you've been talking about uh, with random uh, second level of testing coming into, uh, with the travelers coming into Hawaii. Can you tell us where we are with that? Sure. So we're intending to launch a lot of this on Monday, although we're already getting some data because we are getting some surveillance testing done on the neighbor islands. Uh, Dr. Miskovich and his people tested, I think, 1,200 people yesterday, and Mm. we will do randomized data collection from all of the testing that came here after uh, after arrival. But it's really, I want to be very clear. I know that um, the mayor likes to butt in and talk about demanding this and demanding (laughs) that and making sure it's random. Well, Neither he nor I are scientists, and uh, though I'm a little closer to that, and he um, is misrepresenting what needs to get done. It's a systematic sampling, and we have a uh, we have a really good scientific team led by Dr. DeWolf Miller, who's a professor emeritus of epidemiology at Jabsom. We've got Dr. Ramsey, Dr. Brown, Dr. Meyer. I mean, a whole Dworkin. I mean, all these guys—they're the best, and so they're going to be working all this, through this and. They're going to get all the data that we need to confirm or disconfirm the safety of our pretest program. 
we're getting some obvious data right off the bat because, as I shared with you in, in just a quick conversation, yesterday they tested up to 1,200 people on Big Island, and that was people who all of whom had had the uh, pre-test within 72 hours of their departure, mm-hmm. the nucleic acid amplification test, and zero, not one, zero of them tested positive now two or three days after they had been tested before. Mm. And that's a very good reconfirming uh, piece of data. Now, our intent is to test people four days for this study after they came in because that's the interval at which you would start to see people possibly catching uh, up and being positive. And having the viral load. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They got the, like if they, caught, if they did a test on a Wednesday and then on Thursday they caught the virus and then, you know, now it, four days after arriving in Hawaii, we want to actually, actually catch that. And so we're doing that. And, and we did do some research additionally in advance of this. We did uh, a large um, sample and conversation of all these ideas with the Tahiti government. Uh, we talked to their, their, what is it? Their, um, the, all of their leadership, but their, uh, what do they call them? The, well, the head of tourism, uh, for lack of a better word and the Minister of Tourism, and he told us that they had 24,000 people travel to Tahiti in the last several months, 24,000, all of whom were negative with the, you know, the pretest, the nucleic acid amplification pretest, PCR test, and 30, just a total of 30, tested positive four days after coming to Tahiti. Everybody tested willingly, it's over 95%, and 30 out of 24,000, that's one out of 800 people, ended up having asymptomatic COVID. And they had no spread, not one case once they contact traced and tested around those individuals, Mm -hmm. not one case of spread from their travelers. Now, tourists were safe. Unfortunately, they did have some extra cases of COVID once they opened up uh, in their community when people went out without wearing masks and they were going uh, to large parties. So parties, close contact, drinking, no mask wearing, spread. Travelers in from the from the U.S., from Hawaii, from Europe, they were negative. Only one out of 800 times were they positive, and it was not a problem. So I don't know how much longer we're going to have to go over these analytics to convince uh, Mr. Caldwell and others, but (laughs) the thing that we should be focusing on is mask wearing and testing smart. I Mm -hmm. I mean, I love the fact that he's actually pressing for all these extra tests. That's really good. That's a good use of money from a CARES Act uh, perspective, but it should be used more often than not for our first responders, for people that are working at the long-term care facilities. If we need extra tests, it should be working, used on hotel workers. If they're concerned, testing them regularly. Let's stop the spread of the cases where they actually would be spread, which is amongst our own people, rather than this extreme focus on visitors. It's easy to pick on the visitor class because they're not us. We can pound them uh, in the media and, and blame them for stuff. But I really care much more about us not actually spreading the disease at all. And that's where I would focus. Okay. So bottom line, uh, if, if we need to put this in a nutshell, don't worry so much about the tourists that are coming in. Worry more so about us spreading it to each other. Yeah. And, okay. and in, in the context of tourists, if we're taking care of them at the hotels, make sure we wear masks because we're going to be standing next to our colleagues at the desk, you know, checking people in. We're no. going to be at the restaurant serving meals, we're going to be getting back to work, but it'll be the 10 hours you're at work next to your fellow hotel workers or your restauranteurs or whatever, not the 12 minutes that you're talking to a tourist that only one out of 800 times could be positive. And I, I hope that that's really clear. I, 
you know, I'll keep saying it. Uh, and we will also watch the numbers very carefully because if, if any of this is wrong, I'm certainly not infallible, then we'll fix it and mm-hmm. we'll adjust. But that's the way it's playing out all across the country and the world. So I don't know why we would be that different. All right. Thank you very yeah. much, Lieutenant Governor, joining us. Yeah. Can can we get into the nationwide numbers? Because those are getting spooky. Yeah. And those yeah. those people are coming here. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> just to refresh our, our listeners. So this morning we reported that uh, the uh, numbers are we are on track to get to eight million uh, COVID-19 cases across the nation, uh, probably today, if not this weekend. And also we've got about 217,000 deaths. Um, the other thing is that, you know, they're talking about another surge on the mainland as the weather gets colder and people go indoors. Uh, and the numbers are certainly bearing that out. It's only fall, but already we're talking about 50,000 to 60,000 uh, new cases being reported every day, which is, n- those are numbers that we haven't seen since like July. Mm-hmm. So with all that happening on the mainland, Lieutenant Governor, do you have a concern that are opening again coincides with what appears to be a growing surge on the mainland? Well, it's what we have to be mindful of. I wouldn't call it concern. It's just we have to be smart. So that's, I would be very concerned if we hadn't set up a test, right? If we didn't mm-hmm. have a pretest, I'd be, I would be um, against the idea because of opening, because then we would not know if a surge occurred and we might not know of the details of the surge for two or three weeks. If one region or another has a much higher positivity rate, we might not get that info, and then we could have people among us. So having the test, and of course I follow the numbers in each region every day, but having the test gives me reassurance, and we will also watch our numbers every day. It's going to be a battle, if I may, all the way through to the vaccination. And unfortunately, parts of the mainland are going to surge because you know, they opened up without wearing masks, so they're going to get slaughtered a lot of the time. But... We won't because we're going to have the test and we're going to we've already learned our lessons after our surge in you know, August, September. But if we wear masks, and keep our social distancing in place and we don't have big gatherings, as long as we do those three things, you know, toss in some extra hand washing, we will not have significant spread. And we now are down to 103 people in the hospital after our peak mm-hmm. of 318. So we're down 70 percent. So the numbers are bearing themselves out accordingly. And. That's the best data I can really give you. It's sometimes hard to know if there's a little extra background cases of COVID in, you know, in places where you're getting asymptomatic spread. But I can tell you with, with certainty the number in the hospital and fatalities, and that's, that's settled down. I wanted to also ask you, we now have the White House uh, reportedly embracing the concept of herd immunity again. That's that's coming up. Um, I know the land, there's a bunch of physicians at the Lancet who have signed, you know, a declaration saying embracing herd immunity is not smart. It's not based on science. So how do you feel about this? The White House uh, apparently embracing her, the concept of herd immunity again. Yeah, they're sending people to their death. That's what, that's what I think. I mean, this idea, they are on an obvious political mission to downplay the impact of COVID. And if they just throw caution to the wind, they're, well, they're going to take the, the 217,904 fatalities and they're going to turn it into 400,000 fatalities. We don't need to. We're, we're at the precipice of this, of this project to get the vaccination out. So. Mm-hmm. The idea to suddenly turn and tell people to go out and spread it, it, it's just madness. So I hope that, look, I hope they won't stick with that. And I, and I really think that the politics have to be removed from this. I mean, Trump is, um, 
he's not just a colorful character. He's actually taking liberties with information that will put people in harm's way. And that's not good at all. I, I don't, I'm not talking about the election. I'm talking about people getting sick as a mm-hmm. doctor. And it's not appropriate. Fauci is not in support of that. And they're trying to marginalize Dr. Fauci, which, of course, is because he has his own mind. He's thoughtful about this stuff, and they don't want to hear it. They want him to be political. They use him in their ads. I wanted to take the last few minutes to kind of spin forward now, um, looking, uh, you know, to the days ahead with Trans-Pacific Tourism being open. What do you see as the challenges? Like what are, because I'm thinking about things like right now on the neighbor islands, there's a different system for every, you know, every county. Uh, If people want to travel to those counties as well, will we, what do you see as kind of like the needs? What do we need to pay attention to and, and improve? Well, we have to constantly endeavor to do the best things to stop the spread of the virus in our community and that is the most boring things to talk about but that's what matters masks and social distancing and hand washing the tests though in different counties with different protocols will serve a benefit they will basically they will show us which which systems work best and we'll have to of course account for the differences in population and the differences in how dense the population is oahu is obviously very different than say, Big Island. But it's going to be good to see. We'll we'll use that data to inform us on kind of the best ways to go about the future uh, for testing. We'll see whether or not it's necessary to test a second time at all. Uh, Maybe it is, maybe it's not. But let's, let's not prejudge it for sure. And I would just say all of this is good process for us because it's keeping us focused on prevention, focused. It's hopefully will not take over the whole dialogue, the testing, because really, the t- it's, like I've said a couple of times, it's not really as important as uh, as looking at the, the big picture, which is those other things that Fauci talked about, like distancing and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, mask wearing. And then every two weeks that pass, I, I kind of say a little thank you, because it means we're that much closer to having a vaccination whenever that comes. Look, if we... If we uh, if we get to the vaccination and then we start to get some significant immunity, that's where it won't be herd immunity just from spreading it recklessly. It'll be from actually people getting immunity from vaccination. We're going to be in a good spot. So I'm I'm going to keep working that that angle mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm and I've already been in communications with uh, several of the mayors and I'm appreciative of how hard they're working. I, I look, I, you guys all know. Caldwell drives me crazy, but I'm appreciative of how hard he works to try to, you know, focus on COVID and to and to make good rules. And I, I am super appreciative of the fact that the mayors never let their teams stop focusing on this. I mean, my goodness, they're at this 24/7. Mayor Kawakami has incredible capacity that he's put in place to uh, prevent people from breaking rules and spreading the disease. Mayor Kim with the second test, very worried about his hospitals. That will help. It clarifies things. Mayor Victorino, lots of tourists coming into Maui, and he did not flinch when people were uh, challenging him and criticizing him for doing a thorough job at the airport, testing, uh, checking everybody, being very careful with their public health department uh, to make sure there wasn't spread. So all these guys are are doing huge hard work, and then there's a lot of pressure on the gov too uh, to juggle all of these different proposals. So. I know it's easy to criticize, not you guys, but it's a, it's a tough lift, and I hope we can all join, you know, kind of join this effort together as people listen 
because we're getting closer to uh, the end of the, the end of this long experience, and there is light at the end of the tunnel now. And hopefully, it's not a train coming toward us. <laughs> oh, if, it's, if it's a train, we're going to change the track. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. Sounds good. You'll be at the head of that changing that yes. track for us. I think we have time for one more question. So, as um, I did have one follow-up question, um, uh, Lieutenant Governor, we've talked about the legality of quote-unquote requiring tests of um, of our visitors, and if I under, I'm not sure if I'm understanding this right, but I, I feel like over the past few days, as we've gotten ready to open, that there's been talk about re- quote-unquote requiring visitors, like for example, the visitors who have who go to the Big Island, they have to take that antigen, the second antigen test after they arrive. Do we have now some kind of change in the interpretation of the law that will allow us to actually require visitors to take some kind of test? No, we don't. Okay. Uh, they, they, just for clarity, the only capacity we have legally is to uh, mandate people into quarantine if they don't follow uh, our testing rules. And so the, the, the clear uh, rule is if anybody does not follow our pre-test rule, they go into quarantine. And if, we, if they violate the quarantine rules, we can fine them up to $5,000 and they can be punished with up to one year in jail. The, the distinction is the second test on Big Island mm-hmm. is not, uh, it, it, if the mayor describes it as mandatory, it's mandatory in the sense that he could then um, apply that up to $5,000 fine and up to one year in jail. Got it. Uh, misdemeanor charge. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. over time, I think we'd be better off just having a ticket for people not wearing masks. And I think we'd be better over time to just make the tests uh, optional and reward people for them. But we're going to get the data from the studies, and we'll, I'll share that data as it comes out so everybody can judge for themselves whether it's, you know, working or not. Got yeah. it. Got it. We look forward to getting more of the reports on, you know, how that data bears out. So, Lieutenant Governor, we know you have to run uh, on to your next meeting, but we thank you so much. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Sounds great. It's Devin and Esme on the Rise and Drive on 94.7 Kumu.